you, Jane. Well, uh, welcome again. My name is Ian. I'm one of the leaders of the church of Rotherham Evangelical Church. I was going to say the church here, not Broomland. Uh, of Rotherham Evangelical Church. Remember, the church is the people, not the building. And uh, this is great. I'm, I'm, I don't know how I got the, the, the job to do the first sermon in the new place, but uh, that's fantastic. Uh, it is a privilege. It's a privilege to, to dive into the Bible and to bring that before you. As the other Ian said, we are currently uh, in the middle of a five-week series looking at people who, who have been converted in the book of Acts. Uh, we've heard from the, about the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, ben was telling us about Paul, a, a guy called Saul who's become Paul. He's, he's the guy Paul in this story. Uh, and last week, Paul, uh, Luke was telling us about the Roman centurion. So we've heard about him. If you've missed those, they're on our website. You can pick them up. But today we're going to look at this uh, this brief scene, thinking about this lady called Lydia and how she came to faith. We're going to think about that in terms of five different uh, headings. Um, the first is uh, providence. The providence of how Lydia came to faith through different circumstances. Secondly, her pursuit of God, how she'd been uh, thinking about God, pursuing God. Thirdly, about preaching, how Paul preached the word. Fourthly, the promise that God will turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. And finally, Philippi, the, the place where this new church starts through the action that happens here. We all start with P, right? So that's really good. Some of them are a bit of a stretch. We'll have to talk about some of those. But hey, we all start with P, so, so that's good. Okay. Uh, and what I really want us to think about it is... is What's happening for those who are coming to faith in Jesus? All the different things that are coming together to bring someone to that faith. Some of those things are going to be perhaps unique to Lydia. Some of those things are going to be common for all the people who come to faith in Jesus. So first of all, uh, Providence, let's go back and look at verse 6. There's some followers of Jesus there, Paul and his companions. They're traveling throughout Ephrygia and Galatia. They've been telling people who are mostly non-Jews about Jesus the good news about him. We call that the gospel. Gospel just means good news. The good news about Jesus. And we're gonna, just going to put you up a little map here. Uh, we're going to look. I'm going to drag this little picture here. Now, uh, so I get to use the pointer as well. I uh, hope you're going to be able to see this if it's on there. So Paul and his folks are around about here. Right. Uh, verse 6. They've travelled all the way over here. And they're about here. See there? Right here. There. And Galatia there. So they're about there. And uh, notice then, it goes on and it says that the, the Holy Spirit stopped them from preaching the word in Asia. Asia there. There, Asia's there. So that's west of where they are. Okay? But then it goes on and it says, in verse 7, they came to the border of Mycenae and tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they, they've got to here now, and they want to go that way, but they can't go that way. So, get this. They're here. God said, don't go there. He said, don't go there. They've come from over there, and the sea's down there. 
So what? So what are you going to do? Where are they going to go? They can't. They can't go north, south, east, or west. It, it's just they, there's just nowhere left to go. Fortunately, there is a narrow little gap here between Asia and Bithynia, and so that's what they do. They squeeze through that little gap there over to Troas. Uh, and when they're there, you can read it. We're not going to go into it now. Verses 9 to 12, they get this, this vision saying, come over to Macedonia. Macedonia's over here. Where Philippi is. Come over. And that's what they do. So so first of all, just, just as an aside, notice how Paul and his companions were really determined to do this. Okay, they've got all kinds of uh, directions from God as to where to go. And so even though doors appear to have closed to them, they're still going to pursue that goal, that vision God's given them, to get over to Macedonia. So there's something here about perseverance. There's something here about really being, uh, not just giving up, not just taking the easy route, just uh, God doesn't want us to go there. We'll just go back to Antioch. I don't know. No, no. They're going to press on to where God has wanted them to go to. Also, another quick aside for you. Just look in verse 10 there. You'll see that it says uh, that we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Suddenly, the language changes from they to we. Okay? What that means is that Luke, who's the writer of the book of Acts, has now joined the party. That's the first time in the book of Acts we see that. So we know that uh, Luke is now traveling with uh, Paul and his party as they go over to Philippi. But what about Lydia? Okay, that's Paul. Paul's coming in there. So Paul and his friends, they've traveled in there to Philippi. What about Lydia? Well, uh, Lydia is from Thyatira in Asia. She's a trader in purple cloth. So this is a high-value industry. Uh, the dye was quite rare. So she's probably fairly wealthy. You know, she's, uh, I would give you the name of a well-known fashion house, but you're talking to the wrong man, to be honest with you. So, so just fill in the blank. Whatever your, your favorite high value fashion houses it's like that but you know if it's not as do I don't know so uh, so so she's from she's from Thyatira in Asia um, she might have been an agent for people who'd made the dyed the cloth and the selling the cloth she might be selling it on her own we don't quite know uh, but we do know it was a uh, it was a, a wealthy industry a wealthy trade she would have been quite well off She's a significant woman. She's a significant businesswoman in this busy Roman colony called Philippi. Ladies, do please read Proverbs 31 when you go home for what a picture of such an empowered woman looks like. Because surely this is Lydia. So she's making this good living for her, presumably for her household as well. Remember, she's from Thyatira in Asia. Why do I keep banging on about that? Because, remember... Paul couldn't go to Asia. Paul was told not to go to Asia. So if she'd stayed at home, she would not have heard the word of God. If she'd stayed where she was, she wouldn't have heard the word preached. It's only because she is over in Philippi that she's going to meet Paul and his party and hear the word of God. This is what we call providence. This is what we call providence. This is what we call the sovereign will of God, the way in which God arranges circumstances so that at exactly the right time, in exactly the right place, we hear what he wants us to hear. We experience what he wants us 
to experience. We sang that you'll let your will be done. We're going to sing that song earlier. This is what it's about. It's God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Even more than that, Lydia decided to uh, get up on Saturday to go down to the river to pray. Uh, She didn't uh, decide to stay in bed and just have a lazy morning. She didn't decide to go to the market and sell some more purple cloth. She decided to go down to the river and pray. And providence was that's where Paul was had come to with his companion. And so it's the providence of God that arranges these things when people are converted. My friend Mandy was a young mother of two kids. She's just got it, she's just had a third one. Uh, and she was not a Christian. She was married to a hotel manager. And the hotel manager, who was her husband, I guess, got the good car. She got the, the rubbish car to be the uh, mom taxi, you know, to drive the kids around and all that kind of stuff. And because it was a bit of a rubbish car, the radio got stuck. The radio got stuck for 30 days. The radio got stuck on a Christian radio station. Okay? And after 30 days of listening to what increasingly she got to appreciate was good music and, and good encouraging messages, she decided she should go to church and actually experience this thing for real. And so she went to church, she heard the message, she became a Christian, she was a dear sister in Christ, she was involved in a number of activities in her church, she's certainly a Proverbs 31 woman. That was, that radio being stuck was the providence of God in her life. It was one of the things that brought her to faith. Was it a coincidence? No. Was it a coincidence that Lydia was there to hear Paul? No. Folks, there's no such things as coincidences. It's providence. God had arranged for her to hear the word just at the right time. Just like he does for everyone. So, be alert. How is God sorting things out in your life? How is God arranging things in your life? What circumstances has he put you into? Have you heard the good news about Jesus in that position? Be aware of how he's arranging the lives of other people around you. Perhaps your relatives, your friends, your neighbours, your co-workers. Putting us into God is putting us into situations where we will have the opportunity to tell people about it. People that God is putting us into situations where we can hear about them. That's the providence of God. But there's more than that because because secondly, not only was the providence of God, but there's also pursuits. That's the sense in which Lydia was not hearing the word of God cold, so to speak. This was not. And she was not hearing this without any prior knowledge. Look with me down there, back at verse 14. And you can see there in verse 14, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. So we know that already she had, we don't quite know how much, she had come across God. She had encountered God. She had. She was certainly going to pray with with other believers down by the river but she was also she probably heard about him from the Old Testament what we now call the Old Testament really, but um, she was not a Jew otherwise they would have said she was a Jew so, but she, she knows of the Jewish God she, she, she's worshipping him but neither was she a Christian the, the gospel, the good news about Jesus has not got here yet it's just arriving with Paul it seems that this is the very first time the good news has arrived in this this area and so 
She has been thinking about God. She has been praying to him. She's been worshipping him. She's been pursuing him. But she hasn't yet heard his good news. Many of you will know our brother Mo. He had been exploring and thinking about spiritual matters for some time. He'd been reading the Bible. He talked to many of you, I know. There was a process he was going through where he was pursuing God. But he didn't come to faith straight away. And so that's an experience that, that some people will have. Not all of us have an experience where the Saul had where they'd like, bang, lightning, flashing lights, and suddenly we're a Christian. Sometimes that takes time. We're exploring our faith. We're finding out about God. I think that's particularly true if you grow up in a Christian household. If you grow up in a Christian household when you're young, the faith is really the faith of your parents. But at some point it has to transition to your faith. And so you go through that process of, of exploring and pursuing So we know that Lydia had heard about God as, as we'd seen in the Old Testament. Maybe she would have converted to Judaism. We don't know. God had other plans. He'd arranged for her to hear the gospel and to be saved. That brings us on to our third point. That Lydia heard the word of God preached by Paul. Look back to verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. So uh, elsewhere in the Bible, it tells us that what Paul did whenever he went to a new town was he went to the synagogue. Okay, that makes sense. There were Jews there. Uh, he would be welcomed. He was a Pharisee. They would be really like, excited to have him there, I guess. But he doesn't do that here. He doesn't do that here. So we can be pretty sure that there wasn't a synagogue uh, in Philippi at that time. The few believers that they are, they, they appear to be only women, are gathered by a river outside of town, praying together. Um, so on that first Saturday, that's where Paul goes, to try and get them down to the river. Uh, one of those women was Lydia. And so uh, it tells us Paul sat down to speak. Uh, some of you may know that uh, in the Jewish tradition, when somebody's teaching, they sit down in front of you. We're used to teachers uh, standing up at the front of the class, right, or something like that. In, in, in this time, if you were teaching, you sat down, and everyone would be looking at you. So Paul sits down, uh, and he tells them the good news. He tells them the good news about Jesus. And this is important, because, because sometimes I've heard people say, People think you know that, that somehow people are going to receive faith without hearing the good news about Jesus. I'm not sure how exactly that that would work. I mean, is it telepathy? Is it osmosis or something? You know, I, I don't understand how you would understand the truths of the gospel. People claim that Saint Francis of Assisi said, uh, "Preach the gospel at all times when necessary." Use words, except he didn't say that. that. He didn't say that. That's attributed to him. Someone else made that up for him. So, no, no. But the Bible, the Bible is clear. The Bible tells you exactly what goes on. This is from Romans chapter ten, verse fourteen. You can you can uh, read it at home later if you want to. This is what it says. It's a set of questions from Paul, the same guy who's been preaching. 
how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? People have to hear the word of God. People have to hear what the gospel is if they're going to believe in it. Because else, what do you believe in? How do you know what you believe in? Okay, when you read through the book of Acts, and we've, we've seen a couple of stories, or there are other stories of lots of people being converted, there's always somebody telling them about Jesus. There's always somebody telling them about what he's done uh, for his people. Okay, people will say, well, you look at creation and you can see that God presents that is there. Yes, I get that. Creation is beautiful, the world is beautiful, and uh, we can get a sense that, that, that there is a, a God who has created. I'm not sure that we get the sense that he, he sustains it every moment, but we can see creation. Can we see that he is holy, that he is full of mercy, that he is full of love, that he is full of justice? I'm not sure that we could pick that up from creation. Uh, but the, the idea of, of the creator God, that's part of the good news about Jesus, so okay. Um, we can certainly see our own sin. I mean, when we're being honest with ourselves, uh, we can certainly see the things we do that we know are wrong. I mean, let's be honest. We can also, we're also very quick to spot the things that other people are doing wrong, so we spot other people's sins as well. But we know it's wrong. It feels wrong. It's unjust. We, we, we just don't get, our heart is recognizing what our head isn't recognizing. We're justifying our actions of the things that we're doing. Our hearts know that we're, that we're sinners. And so we can get those elements of the good news about, about Jesus. That, that there is a God, that there is a creator. We know that we're not what we should be, that we, we sin, we don't do the things we're supposed to do. I don't know that we get the. I don't know that we get the eternal consequences of that. I think we just see that we know that if we steal something, that we might go to jail. Ooh, it's bad, yeah, but it's even worse. A million times worse that we're offending God when we do it. But Lydia, and so Lydia might have heard all that, but she had not heard what God was going to do about it. She had not heard the good news about Jesus. That God had stepped in and had given a solution to that problem. That he'd sent his son, Jesus, into the world. That, that, that son to live a perfect, perfect life, a life that was not going to offend God. It was actually going to please him superbly. And that he then died in our place. He died for sinners like me, you and Lydia, so that we would not have to experience that righteous anger. Instead, what we would experience is the approval of God's chosen Son, Jesus. All because of our faith in him. All because of our belief in him. And to prove it, he rose from the dead. Three days later, so that when we trust in his death and resurrection, we are no longer God's enemies. Instead, we have a seat at his table. We receive the Holy Spirit to teach and guide us. We're given gifts. We're given gifts. Uh, to help build up the church, we receive as brothers and sisters amongst the church. Regardless of our wealth, our race, our gender, our academic background, our education, we are all one in Christ Jesus. 
just as they do on this planet. That's the gospel. It's a straightforward message, one that appears to have had an immediate impact on the world. What was its impact on yours the first time you heard it? What was the impact when you listened to it now? Ricky is a young, successful man. Uh, he's recognized in the community. He has a lovely wife. And at that time, three great kids. He now has four great kids. Uh, and his kids were in a private Christian school. Ricky, Ricky was not a Christian. But it was a good school, so he wanted the kids to be in a private school. And as uh, schools do, they put on a bit of a Christmas concert, you know, Nativity, Mary and Joseph and Daddy, and the two fellows around the head, all that. And... Ricky heard for the first time, just in a little five-minute spot that somebody gave sort of halfway through, he heard for the first time the good news about Jesus. He heard the gospel. And he decided he wanted to, to know more about that. And so, and so he started asking his friends. He started to go to church and to hear about Jesus. became a Christian once he'd heard the gospel. But some people hear that and do not believe. Some people are put in a position where they've heard the good news and yet they don't believe in Jesus. Uh, Jesus himself told us a story about the parable of the sower. It's in Matthew chapter 13 if you want to check that out. Uh, that there are people who hear the word of God and he just dies. They are, they are not saved. And that takes us to our fourth point today, the promise, the promise that God will turn hearts of stone into hearts of flesh. Look with me again there in verse 14. The, at the end of verse 14 there, the, as she was a worshipper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. It's the Lord who opened her heart to respond to her message. This is true for all believers, that, that faith is a free gift, but it's a gift from God. Let me read you this passage from, from the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 2. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming age he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That passage is clear. Other passages in the Bible are clear. It is God who opens our hearts. I, w I wish it was another way, but, but if you ask uh, your Christian friend, or you think by your, you reflect on your own story of conversion, if you're a Christian here, there's probably something in there, some line in there where 
I was amazed. I wasn't looking for death. Or I was broken, but he saved me. I wouldn't have chosen him, but he chose me. All the time when you hear Christians talking about their story, you get that sense of, I was like this, Jesus was like that, and he takes the initiative, and he opens my heart to save me. So that's what he does. He has promised that, that when we hear the word, and we put our trust in him, he turns our heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Ronnie was a young lady. She's a uh, gifted mathematician and very academic. And the point, at this point in this little story, she was teaching and clearly a very capable teacher. We're a graduate from Cambridge University. Uh, and Ronnie was, I mean, this girl was an out-and-out out atheist. I mean, she was a dedicated atheist. And yet for all of her intellectual problems, the idea of Jesus was, was just so, didn't want anything to do with it. She had a very winsome friend who sang in the church choir. She was a colleague of his. A colleague who she respected. She could see the difference in his life. And so when he invited her to come to a choir concert at the church, he said, she said, okay, I'll come. She heard the gospel preached for her. She started coming back to church, even though she had many questions and problems with what we were uh, preaching. I remember her first Sunday was when Isaac was going to sacrifice his son. Uh, sorry, Abraham was going to sacrifice his son Isaac, and she was very upset by this concept. This was, you know, remember, she's a teacher. She thinks it's terrible parenting. And, you know, why would anybody even be doing that? Uh, and so, you know, you, you could get the sense of where she was coming from. changed her heart. It took a little bit of time, but God changed her heart from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. A heart that was committed to God, that loves the people of God, that loves his church, that loves the Lord. She's turned from an out-and-out atheist into someone who acknowledges God as the Lord and King of her life. But she doesn't boast in Jesus. Why? Because she knows that that was not her doing. She, she was running the other direction. Um, wait, no, no. Uh, the, it is God who opens our hearts to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is when we get to our fifth point. Philippi. Okay, you can tell I've run out of inspiration this way. I've, just, I've got to call it something that's going to be Philippi. This is the place where the church was established that Lydia, Lydia worshipped him, that she helped to put in place. We've already seen how the providence of God had brought uh, Lydia and Paul into the same place so that she could hear the word of God. We've seen how she'd already been pursuing God, already been thinking about him and, and understanding him from the Old Testament, praying to him. But Lydia then heard the word of God preached to her. She heard the gospel for the first time. And if God had fulfilled his promise, he had opened her heart up. And now we see her response. Her response to this conversion. You can see it there. Verse 15. When she and the members of her household 
were baptized. She invited us to her home. If you consider me consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay in my house. And she persuaded us. When some people come to faith in Christ, in Jesus, sometimes they experience dramatic changes instantly. Perhaps changes in their motivations, their emotions, their feelings. Perhaps changes in the way they want to live their life. Some people, it's just so dramatic straight away. Other people experience more gradual changes. For, for them, once they become a Christian, over a longer period, they see their life changing and find they can forgive that person who they couldn't forgive before. That they're motivated more and more by love. Love for God, love for others, and less about their own self-interest. There is no timetable when you become a Christian. There's no timetable for how long these changes take. But we do know that they happen, that they change. And they happen for Lydia. She is baptized. Notice that is after she's become a Christian. This is just a symbol of what has already happened in her life. She also offers Paul and his companions hospitality to come stay at her home. We don't know why they were reluctant to go. Um, maybe they were just being polite. You know, they haven't just met her. Perhaps they were conscious that um, they were all blokes, and she was a wealthy woman. They were like, "Oh, that's a bit awkward." Some some writers have suggested it was because they were Jewish and she wasn't Jewish, and they didn't want they were worried how that might appear to other people. Uh, some perhaps they were worried about uh, the idea of um, her wealth people thinking they won the, the game. We don't quite know. What we do know is that as a businesswoman, she is used to speaking her mind. She is used to getting the job done, and so she persuades them. You know, whatever their reluctance was, we don't know, but we do know. She persuaded them, and they went to her house. And this is not a one-off stay. This is not just drop down for a cup of tea or something. Now look with me down to verse 40. I might just be on the next Verse 40 is actually after the story for next week's conversion. Uh, Paul and Silas have been locked up in Philippi. And they've been released. And so what happens? They come out of prison. Where did they go? They went to Lydia's house. What happened there? They met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. So so we can see that... that uh, in Lydia's house, there is this fledgling church. There's this church plant. She's materially supporting the church. She's she's opened her, her home up with hospitality. She's probably given a bit of food and drink as far out. Um, it certainly includes her household. We know that because we said that earlier. It certainly includes Paul and his, Silas and his companions. Uh, soon, it will include the the Philippine jailer, who we'll hear about next week, and his family. So Lydia, after she's been converted, she's now serving. She's now serving her brothers and sisters pretty much straight away in the Lord by opening her house in hospitality. That's a change. That's a big change. Some of you have read or heard the testimony of a guy called Mesmer Collins. We've talked about him uh, before in a few different places. He was certainly a troubled young man, and he was certainly from a troubled background. That is a fact. 
perhaps one of the biggest understatements I may have ever made. Um, and yet, once he became a Christian, once he became a Christian, this guy who had a history of uh, violence and drug abuse and burning people's cars and all kinds of stuff, became someone on whom quite literally God has built churches. He's built, God has built local churches on the ministry of Mesnicola in Scotland. The changes in life has been radical. And Jesus has radically changed Lydia's life. She's now involved in this church plan. Probably I'm talking about when she got up on Saturday morning. And by Saturday evening, she's involved in the church plan. And this happens about AD 50. Okay, so about 17, 18 years after Jesus died. However, the Bible has also got a letter that Paul wrote to this church about 10 or 11 years later. Okay? It's just a bit further on in the Bible. It's called the letter to the Philippians. It's about written about AD 61, as I say, about 10 or 11 years later. And Paul is writing then to this church. This church that Lydia has helped to establish. In that letter, some people are mentioned by name. Epaphroditus, Yodia, Never say this, Simchia, whatever. Uh, and he and he addresses the letter to all the saints. Saints are Christians, remember, all the saints in Philippi. And he says to the elders and the deacons, "This is no longer a couple of houses. This is now a, a significant number of people who are in this church. This church that Lydia has helped to establish. What does he say? He's, he describes them. This church as his joy." He commends them for their generosity. Lydia's had a role in establishing something here that's made a big difference in Philippi. Although it's briefer than some of our other stories of conversion that we've seen in the series, what is clear is the way in which God has acted. That God has, through providence, brought Paul and Lydia together you're a Christian here, how did that happen for you? Reflect on that. Reflect on how God's arranging the people around you so that you might have the opportunity to tell them the good news about Jesus. If you're not a Christian here today, well, you are here today. If the providence of God is the providence of God, then it is no coincidence that you're here today. No coincidence you've You've met all of us. No coincidence you've prayed and sung with us, we hope. No coincidence you've heard the word of God preached. No coincidence that you've heard that Jesus died for you. No coincidence to hear that Jesus rose from the dead for you. Put your trust in him today. Even as Lydia put her trust in Jesus straight away. Some of you have grown up in a Christian family, and so perhaps you've, you've had that intentional seeking after of God in your life. Some of you have not had that at all, and this whole thing has just been sprung on you. So from that point of view, what Lydia experienced, what each of us experience when we become a Christian, is unique. It's different. And when we, when we share stories, Luke was talking about stories of grace, sometimes we, we share testimonies from up here. 
Uh, each one has different elements to it. Yeah, I'm just looking around the room here. I can remember some of the, some of the stories you told me of how you became a faith. You came to faith. Do not be surprised at the variety of things God uses. Do not be surprised at what He's. He'll use anything. Do not do not get too caught up in it. it. Has to be one particular way or one particular thing. However, the second part of conversion is almost always the same, without really any great uh, changes. That they've heard the good news about Jesus. That it was they heard it preached. Perhaps they've read it in a book. Yes, that's true. But most likely. They've heard it preached. If you don't know what that is, if you don't know what the good news is about Jesus, ask the Christian friend who brought you, or the one next to you, perhaps someone up here, and they will tell you what that is. And if you are a Christian, then you know that your heart is no longer what it was. Your heart is no longer what it was. We are we are not yet what we will be, but we're no longer what we were. And it is God who has made that change in our lives. He, he has made our hearts what they should be, and now we have that anchor to hold to. That, that brings us love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control. If you are not a Christian here, please admit your, your need of that your reliance on him. The result will be life-changing. The result is life-changing. Lydia was no longer an enemy of God. She'd been adopted as his child. She was no longer an outsider. She was no longer a stranger. She'd become a beloved follower of Jesus. She'd become one of God's people. The Holy Spirit had come and was now guiding and teaching her living in her. She had joined a community. She had joined a church where she could love people and where people could love her. God saved Lydia, a trader in purple cloth living in Philippi. He can certainly save you. 